Hello and welcome to your Monday morning edition of the Doster T.O. and Fanta podcast. It is the DTF podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. We are presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. We got a lot to talk about today, guys. We are going to be diving into a Big Ten preview. And I have a feeling, I'll be honest, that, uh, that Terrence Oglesby is not going to make a lot of fans and a lot of friends in, uh, in the Midwest by the time the show is over. Uh, we also new? took some... We also took some questions uh, from people from Twitter that we're going to answer before we get into that. Uh, but first and foremost, guys, I want to talk to you about this. So John Calipari and Mark Few made it official. We are going to have a six-year, six-game series between Gonzaga and Kentucky. Uh, I got it written down here. This year, they're playing at Spokane Arena, in, uh, obviously in Spokane. Uh, they're playing at Rupp Arena next year. Then they're playing in Seattle and in Nashville the next two years. Then at Rupp again in 2026 and at the Kennel in 2027 I love this. I don't think I could possibly love this anymore. I think this is exactly what you need for uh, for college basketball. I love these big non-conference games. Fanta, where do you stand on this? Is this a good thing for the sport? The sport needs more of this. This is outstanding for college basketball. And you have to give immense credit to Mark Few and John Calipari for coming together and making this happen. I loved when this was announced. Remember, with the, the flood victims in the Kentucky area, Kentucky held – uh, a telethon and Mark Few called into it on the Jumbotron. That alone was really, really awesome as part of that event. To now have it be six years is such a great standard setter. And guys, I was thinking about non-conference scheduling a little bit in the last week. And I don't think that we talk about this at all, but during COVID, when a lot of the matchups were getting lined up randomly and some of the big brands and the great teams were just trying to schedule other high-level teams and there was kind of this looseness to it, I thought that that helped college basketball and I thought that helped coaches be like, you know what, screw it. I'm tired of, I'm tired of, of just doing cupcakes and whatnot. We got to play games, so we got to schedule people. They saw the benefits of that, and I think now you're in a place – where matchups are getting scheduled more and more between the heavyweights because the heavyweights realize there's a lot of reward to the matchup and there's not a whole lot of harm to the matchup. So for Kentucky and Gonzaga, it's outstanding. It's a win, win, win. It's a win for the Wildcats. It's a win for the Zags. And it's a win for all of us. And to have it be six years, I'm now curious to see if we'll see other big brands get together. And man, what a boss move by Cal and Kentucky, because they've got the game at Gonzaga, even though it's not at the kennel this season, but he made sure after all the clamor, after all the fans, you don't think he listens? He's John Calipari. Of course he listens. Well, he also did it. Putting the game at the kennel was awesome. It's awesome. He also did it in 2027, and I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, we're we're presented by Bet Rivers, right? I'm going to say that there is – I'll give you plus 150 odds that John Calipari (laughs) is no longer coaching by the time that that game is actually played. So it's savvy. It's savvy. No, no, I'm I'm just kidding. Like, I I love it. I think it's great. Um, And and look, look, they're they're not playing at the kennel. They're going to be playing at a 12,000-seat arena where you're going to be able to get twice as many Gonzaga fans into that building. It's not going to be the the on-campus venue, but it's still going to be an awesome, difficult environment for them to go into. T.O., this, I think that more games like this need to happen. I think more – I love the fact that we have the Champions Classic every single year. I love the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I love the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I love uh, what the Maui Invitational is, what the, the battle for Atlantis is turning into. I loved what um, what the uh, – 
uh, what was the one in Alaska called? I'm blanking on it. Like all, all, all of those tournaments, the Alaska that, shootout, right? The great Alaska shootout, all of those big events that people can connect with and identify with, and they know it's going to happen. It makes college basketball relevant at a point in the season when basketball really is not all that big of a deal. Let's be honest, November, December, like that's football season. That's holiday season. That's final season. Anything that you can do to, to, to make college basketball be a headline to make it be something that is going to lead into S- SVP sports center on ESPN, mm-hmm. right. To make it be something where you have to get Gus Johnson on the call for a game on a Saturday before the turn of the calendar. Like all of that stuff is fantastic for the sport. And this is absolutely going to be one of those things. Well, I, I'm great. Thanks for asking. But outside of that, <laughs> like uh, I, I give Gonzaga credit. They're going to Texas this year down in Austin. Mm-hmm. I mean, they played Texas at home last year. Credit to Chris Beard for doing that. Uh, and all those things that you talked about, the Maui, the Alaska shootout, the battle for Atlantis, all these great tournaments, it still takes away a little bit of that home court advantage where you have the big dogs and they get to come to your own backyard. I think that's a big part. That's a lot of fun as well. And what a, I love the pettiness with the home and the home and then the kennel ends up seven years later or six years later or what God knows how long. I can't count that far. But like to be able to uh have them go to the kennel i think that's really really cool and that also i love that little it's almost like a jab by calipari to be like yeah we'll we'll do it we'll do it they'll do it they will do it and then you know he kind of will be able to remove himself a little bit who knows how much longer coach calipari uh coaches i hope that he sticks around because i i just think he's one of the most quality personalities in all of college basketball because of his his <laughs> his perspectives, his showmanship and all that stuff. But to Think be able to I, get I, one at the kennel is awesome. I, I was having this conversation with, with Doug Gottlieb the other day, right? Co- with Coach K gone, all of a sudden you're in a position where you don't really have those massive personalities in the sport, right? Like Jim Beheim, I don't know if he necessarily qualifies as one anymore, but, and he's also at the point where like, how much longer is this 78 year old going to be coaching, right? Bill self, is he this, this big uh, international face of basketball that is going to be a headline. Anytime he has something to say that can be a headline. Anytime he needs to talk um, that can change the narrative of a situation just by coming out and saying something. I don't know if he's quite there yet. I don't think Scott Drew's there. I, I don't think Tony Bennett's there. So it's kind of like Cal is the last of a, a dying breed, I guess, and the last of his generation. And having him be willing, Fanta, to come out here and and and, and be public and, and, and be able to have fun with like it's not all serious with him. And I think that that's something that I appreciate. Yeah, and I think with age and with time that Cal's leaned into everything that we talk about too. Like, and I think that's awesome. I mean, he is the best. I know that last week on the podcast, everybody was talking about Eric Musselman being the the modern day guy that can build the program and leans into the marketing side of things. But make no mistake about it. If the must bus is your Popeyes, the emerging scene uh, in the chicken industry, uh, let let's let's just call it what it is. John Calipari will always be Colonel Sanders to college basketball. Well done. Well in done. Terms, I was wondering where you were going with that. I was really wondering of, where you were going with that. Well done. In terms of the standard, the standard bearer, Colonel Sanders will always stand on a pedestal above everybody. I hated those commercials a couple of years ago when different people were acting as Colonel. There's only one Colonel Sanders. There's only one John Calipari. And I think that he has gotten 
looser. He's gotten more fun on social media. His Twitter is a lot of fun because, like, he's the one that's tweeting, or so I feel that way. Like, I actually think that John is the one that's taking out his phone and tweeting those things because the pronunciation or the uh, the uh, the punctuation makes sense. It it looks like it's coming from a coach. I just I love this for college hoops, and I know that. I was hard on Cal over the offseason. The only reason why I was being hard on him was because we know what the standard is at Kentucky. And you want to have expectations. You want to have pressure. I can say in the same light that John Calipari is awesome at doing this type of stuff, and he's great for college basketball. While it's also true, guys, that this is one of Cal's biggest years at the helm in Lexington. I was talking with a general manager yesterday who was at Kentucky's Pro Day, and he said to me, they're loaded. He's like, Case and Wallace, big time. He loves everything he saw from Wallace. And Oscar Shibway, he said, has gotten better. And Shibway's shooting the basketball. So, like, Kentucky is a team that can win the national championship. And I've said that they, frankly, should be in the Final Four. And when you have those types of standards, you're going to have pressure on you. So you could say both those things at once, guys. Can you not? Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. And we don't need to relitigate the argument about whether or not Coach Cal has a little bit of, of uh, pressure on him this season. He does. When you go revenge you season, up, Kentucky, yeah, when you follow up season. a nine and 16 season with a first round exit from the NCAA tournament and you were the head coach at Kentucky, like you got to start getting some shit done at some point. All right. I want to ask you guys this. Tio, I'm going to you first. I gave you a homework assignment. I want to know what series, if you could pick one between two programs that are going to play six years in a row. Home and home, some some neutral, whatever it is. You want two teams to, that that are guaranteed locked in to play six straight seasons. Who would it be that is not currently doing it? To you go first. Just because of the 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 history of the two programs and ones on the rise, I would like to see uh, the word. I'm going to stay with Kentucky, Kentucky, Indiana. I think that one would be a good one. I think Woodson's doing a nice job. They're getting talent to come in there pretty consistently, and they're they're close. And that's two really passionate fan bases. Like Kentucky, I think Indiana's on the upswing to a point to where they haven't been, gosh, guys, in a long time. And it's close because Trace Jack, all these guys, like they're starting to get dudes in. And what was it? Two of the the two top rated recruits. Uh, in the Big Ten, both went to Indiana. This is a program on the rise and going to continue to do so. And you're going to be able to keep up those two uh, with those fan fan bases being relatively close together. So if you want to pick like Duke and Texas and they don't don't like UCLA, something like that, I think Indiana, Kentucky could be a really good one because of all the tradition from both schools. Yeah, I actually so I had I had the same thing written down, like Kentucky and Indiana played for a long time. And I think it was like every year until 2012. And then the last Mm -hmm. time that they played was uh, the shot that Christian Watford hit, and then they played in the NCAA tournament that that same season, right? Um, so I, I, this was tough for me because you you can't really put the blue bloods together because Duke and Kansas and Kentucky are already playing in the Champions Classic. We already pretty much get Kentucky and Kansas every year in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Um, the 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 rivalries that don't really exist anymore because of conference realignment are kind of irrelevant, like Kansas and Missouri, whatever, Houston, Georgetown, whatever, Pitt, West Virginia. That was fun in football, but like who cares in basketball, right? Um, Gonzaga, Washington, maybe. By the way, Pitt, get your stuff together. Get it together, yeah. Pitt. Come on. Like, good on, Lord. Like, like Tristan Freeman is out here dying. He is dying. dying. For every loss that they have, death. please help my man out. 
Man, you know what's crazy? I like <laughs> I want to jump off on a little tirade real quick. Pitt, get it to freaking gather, man. Like you've got talent. They're finally going to be good enough. And then this bonehead gets in trouble again. They always got a guy in trouble. What does good enough even mean? Yeah. Do you remember when they had Xavier Johnson and Julian Champagny and wow. um, and and who was the guy that Justin uh, Champagny, Aldi, Justin, Justin Champagny, and Audis Tony, and they had all of these guys that ended up being great players at different programs that had all the success in the NCAA tournament. And then uh, remember when they were all on the same team, and then that thing blew up. Oh, <laughs> oh. get it together, Pitt. He is upset. Um. All right. So I think Wait Kentucky. A Sorry, Pitt, I, we, Pitt, West Virginia. I completely yeah. He went on. I'm so bad. I, I didn't I'm finish so my point. Right. Pitt. Okay. So I I had I. They, we need a round robin every year of Kentucky, Indiana, Louisville. That's one of the ones I had written down. But you know what else we need? And I, I don't know if it's going to keep happening. I don't know if it's going to continue. I know it got canceled during the COVID season. Tennessee and Memphis have to play every year. Yeah, it's got to be got a to. underrated. They have rivalry. to play every year, especially with Penny there and Rick Barnes there, and those guys are already kind of like buttonheads a little bit. You have to have Tennessee and Memphis play. Every and, year. and another thing too, people don't realize. I growing up in Tennessee, got to throw that out there. Middle and East Tennessee don't really consider West Tennessee part of Tennessee. Does that make sense? Like there, Tennessee split up into three, three different spots. Middle and East don't consider West Tennessee, Tennessee, technically. It's more Arkansas. So, like, get it to – like, that. that's a game that needs to happen every year. I love that. Not only that, Tennessee likes to sneak into Memphis to get players. Like, that's a great – that's a great underrated rivalry. Yeah, it's got to happen. What do you got, Fanta? All right, I have a couple here. So, the first one is I want Eric Musselman and Chris Beard to interact with one another. I want an Arkansas-Texas matchup every single freaking year. The charisma, the fan bases, Arkansas, Arkansas alone. If it ain't Arkansas-Texas, I will happily settle for Arkansas and Texas Tech. Let's combine the two crazy fan bases, and let's just have a carnival. Feel the 68 will come down to the game every year. We'll call it our invitational. We will literally... (laughs) We will sponsor that game. We'll have Mama Hog punch Goodman in the face. It would oh. be amazing. It would get be it right. So that's that's my one. I don't think that that submission can be topped. I've got two others that are a little bit selfish from my end, but I want to bring this up. So, guys, I don't know if you remember this, but every year in Indiana, they had the Crossroads Classic. Last year was the final season of it. They're, they took it off the map. And the schools, frankly, are not exactly thrilled about that. This is a ma- this is a, an event in which Notre Dame would play Indiana or Purdue, and Butler would play Indiana or Purdue. Indiana and Purdue can't play each other because they're both in the same conference. But guys, if you've never been to this matchup, this this showcase, I went one year. It was so cool. The Fieldhouse in downtown, where the Pacers play, had it was like a political convention. They had Indiana, Purdue, Butler, and Notre Dame. The fan bases basically combined and made the arena just packed and full with energy. So I am pleading. I don't know what needs to happen, but I'm pleading. Maybe you use Hinkle Fieldhouse, which did a great job hosting the NCAA tournament. Put the Crossroads Classic back on the map as early as you can because I really like that for the state of Indiana and basketball. And then my last one that I would do, I want – Sean Miller to call Anthony Grant. I want Dayton and Xavier back in college basketball. For a long time, the rivalry was what I would call vicious. 
vicious. The two schools hate each other. They still hate each other. I was at Xavier last week, and I heard somebody say, God, I hate Cincinnati, but I really effing hate Dayton. And I was like, wait a minute. Xavier, Cincinnati, great rivalry. I wish um, – I, I always love when Dayton plays Ohio State or a Xavier or one of the big guns in the state of Ohio. So I know that it probably benefits Dayton more so than some of these other schools, but I would love for Ohio to do something creative with the likes of Ohio State, Xavier, Cincinnati, and Dayton. I think that they could get outside the box four different conferences and four big-time programs. Yeah, we need the uh, the the in-state rivalries that that don't happen because they're in different conferences to happen. Like we see, like Kentucky Louisville is awesome, right? And I'm not saying that that Dayton Xavier or Dayton Ohio State or Tennessee Memphis or some of these other matchups will necessarily be on that same level, but there's there's going to be a lot of uh, a, a healthy amount of dislike, and I think that that's a good thing. We need we need rivalries, man. There's nothing better than a good rivalry game. We said it last week, Fanta. We need that UConn Providence game to become the rivalry in the Big East. We need yeah, and, and and while we're at it, I, I look. I want UConn and Syracuse to get together again. I mean, I I. I know, uh, I know there's some hatred there, and I think that'd be cool. Anytime those old Big E schools get back together, there's a lot of energy in the building. Have Calhoun coach one more game. <laughs> Early could take the day off. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, we just need Syracuse to, like, be relevant again, right? You know, maybe finish above 500. You know, when you're... I doubt it. Yeah, we need to have it. They're going to play like six or seven freshmen a lot of minutes this year. They're just how much long? Wait, how much longer without explaining? Like two, three years, four years for Bayheim? I don't. I don't think it'll be four. That's all. That's a long. I don't. If I were to go the honestly, it's like how much longer do you think he's going to take the under? Here's the truth. How much longer do you think he's going to be alive? Because Jim Bayheim is going to coach until he literally keels over on the sideline. Well, I don't want to make it a discussion about. Yeah, well, I'm just like I, I. I don't. I think that you're literally going to have to drag Jim Beheim away from this. I think he just loves it that much. All really? I, like what else? What else does he want to do? He's got a great life. He can do whatever he wants. He's the king of upstate New York. He's coaching his sons, right? He's got all of the the people on staff that he loves around him. He he does whatever he's he not wants. Coaching the his sons well, you know what I'm saying. Like he yeah. he just so why like what what else does he have? Like what? What else would you want to do? I think I think two years, Fanta, because I think this year is going to okay. be rough, and then that returning freshman class—they got a lot of them. I think they'll be good as their sophomore year, and then he'll be like, "All right." Breaking news: The Field of Sixty Eight has an online store, and it's your one-stop shop for the latest and greatest merch in college basketball and college football. You can find shirts to support your favorite team, make fun of your rival team, or boast Field of Sixty Eight catchphrases like "Daddy Brad." Cussing and discussing, and the Star Heels. Go to www.fieldof68.shop today and enter promo code TOUCHDOWN for 20% off at checkout. All right. We had some, uh, I did ask for questions before we get into the big, uh, the big 10 preview that we're going to break down. First and foremost, this is coming from at Rob Doster on Twitter. Uh, TO, how good is Victor Webmignama? Put it, is he. Have you ever like have you ever seen a prospect as good as him at this same level as him? Because there's only one that I can think of, honestly. LeBron and Sam Bowie. And the reason I make that Sam Bowie thing is because there's a lot of similarities between how they move and how but he Bowie didn't have the same kind of uh jump shot. Here's here's the thing with Winbanyama. That that floor 
is absurdly high because say something happens to where he can't go inside or something like that. Right? He shoots the ball so well at 7'4", and he's so long and he can cover so much ground. I saw Richard Jefferson. He said something along the lines of if LeBron and Wimbanyama were in the same draft class, he's taking Wimbanyama. We've never seen anything like it. That's the big thing. That's the hard part about it. Now, people are like, you know, I was hard on the Chet uh, pick last year going number two, Chet Holmgren. It's it, to me, it's different because of how Wimbanyama holds his weight, like his back straight. He walks straight up to me. Chet is very narrow and he's and he's hunkered over forward. Like his body composition is a little weird to me. That's the reason I think he got hurt because he doesn't really function in a completely athletic way. Women Yama's shoulders are back. He holds his weight right. And he's so stupid athletic at seven foot 12 or whatever he is. He's an alien. Like he is an alien, an eight foot wingspan, seven foot four, seven foot five. They list him at seven, four. Have you guys seen pictures of him besides Zach Eady? Yeah. He's much bigger. Like, that's the scary part about it. Now, he's not as girthy. You like that word, girthy. But at the same time, that guy <laughs> is stupid athletic. It's 7'5". I've never seen anything like it. He's as good no. a prospect as I've ever seen in my life. He's just not that girthy. He's what everybody wanted Chet Holmgren to be, right? Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good things taller. about – Yeah, there's a lot of good things about Chet as a prospect. And I don't want this to sound like I'm coming on here and I'm just taking a dump on the guy that just got hurt, right? Like, he's he's right. going to be a he's gonna be a good NBA player if he can stay healthy. That looks like Big it if. might end up being an if. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's kind of what happened when – like, you, you knew that was coming, right? You knew that – you have a seven-foot of the waist, 200 pounds, that plays the way that he plays. Like, health issues was always going to be a thing. Um the way the, the the reason why I think he is probably the best prospect that I've ever seen, at least in that same conversation with a Zion Williamson and with a LeBron James is because you cannot say that you've ever seen them do anything before. Right. Look at a guy like Giannis. There is no comparison to Giannis when it comes to players that are currently in, in the NBA. You look at a guy like KD. There is no comparison to KD. Like KD is KD. LeBron mm-hmm. is LeBron. Mm-hmm. Zion is Zion. Giannis is Giannis. Victor is Victor, right? He's you, you can't compare him to anything that we've seen before, and that's what's going to end up being the difference maker for him. It's not like you're drafting him to try to fill a role or, or, or replicate what you already see. You're drafting him because nobody knows what the fuck to do against a player like that, right? When you're that big and you can shoot it, the, the one that stood out to me more than anything else, Fanta, was there was a clip of him on a fast break, right? And it kind of, he ends, he's running full speed. He's on the right sideline. He gets flipped to him behind the back by Devontae Jones, the old Michigan point guard. And he catches it, takes one dribble, sprinting straight to the corner and one twos, turns his body full speed at seven foot four on the run, steps into a three, kind of has a little bit of fade, but he's in the corner. He doesn't step on the sideline. He doesn't step on the three-point line, rises, elevates, and it's a swish. And it's just like, that is a difficult shot for... (laughs) a shooting guard to take when you're running full speed, one direction to turn your momentum, go straight up and make a shot like that without stepping on any lines. And he did it at seven foot four and 18 years old. Yeah. He, he is. It's not normal. No, he defies logic. He defies what we normally have seen in the world of basketball. It is nonstop fun. And what I think about last week before talking about both prospects, because I do want to talk about Scoot Henderson is that the NBA showed yet again last week why there's the NFL, which brands itself, it speaks for itself right now. The product literally speaks for itself. 
MLB does not know how to market anything. They're scheduling playoff games in the middle of the day where the interest wasn't very much there to begin with, nor alone when people are at work. Mm. Um, The NBA makes the best effort and continually has the best results when they implement something or do something different and put it to a national TV audience and figure out ways to elevate their talent and elevate their product. You are, we are all starving for basketball at the moment. We all want basketball to come back in, in, in reality. We don't want preseason games. We're ready for the season to start. The NBA putting those two games on last week, which was all their concept, they, they put that in the schedule. That was incredible marketing of your stars. It's exactly why when you get people to, when you convince people to come to Ignite, last week, the NBA showed the benefits of being a member of Ignite. You weren't battling with a bunch of different games. I, I know the college routes better, but I just loved what they did from a product standpoint. And you guys have talked about Wemby. Wemby's incredible. I mean, you name it, he did it. It was beyond impressive. But if I have the number two pick, I am not going to have any tears because what Scoot Henderson did in that first game, particularly his playmaking ability. And I don't want to hear any doubts when you consider who's on the other side of that matchup. And the fact that Wemby is Wemby, like Victor is in his own class. It was pretty damn impressive that Scoot held his own to the degree that he held his own and showcased his talent and his skill set because he showed why he deserves to be number two in that class with everything he did. I was impressed with his defensive ability as well. So kudos to the NBA for putting that on last week. It was exceptional. Yeah, the only thing that I will say NBA is right now, too. But here's here here's what I said. I don't mean to cut you off to you, but I want to go back on that point that 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 Fanta just made is that I think and and you're not you're not you're not wrong. Like I'm not disagreeing with you. The NBA had to do that to be able to generate some hype for its G League program, uh, the guy that is playing overseas, right? But that's what happens every single night. Like a game like that on national television, when Cade Cunningham played, every single night people reacted that way. When Zion played for Duke, every single night. It happened that way. You didn't have to manufacture uh, the two games that were exhibitions played in front of empty arenas in this G League United Arena that you're trying to make be a thing, right? You didn't have to. You didn't have to manufacture hype in October when the sport isn't even going to be able to get people to pay attention to it. It happened every single when Trey Young was playing at Oklahoma. He was he led Sports Center every single night when Zion Williamson played at Duke. He led Sports Center every single night. These were games. I don't even. Did they even really play? Like you got. You got a little bit of buzz. You got the NBA draft podcasters all hyped about it. Sam Vecini was going nuts. But like, once you get past that, how how long are people going to remember this? It was a one-off thing, and that's what you have to to, to generate to make. I disagree. I I actually disagree with you only because I think I will remember this game. Like I I will I will remember that game. But what I'm saying is you'll 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 remember that performance, and then it's just going to be a thing that happened six months ago, as opposed to being like, all right, Zion. Like if, 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 if Scoot Henderson was playing college basketball and you got a performance like that, let's just say that he was playing at like Auburn and you got a performance like that at Arkansas, right? And he went nuts. Next game coming up, you got Kentucky at home. All of a sudden, again, everyone is talking about the fact we got Scoot going up against John Calipari, going up against Case. And like that is the difference. You have to, you have to create showcases and manufacture hype for these games like it's an AAU event as opposed to actually putting them in a season. And I I understand the appeal of going the G League Ignite route. 
I think that there are going to be specific players where it makes a ton of sense to go get that bag, go make yourself be a professional. Don't have to worry about class. Don't worry about the distractions that come with frat houses and sorority houses and all these different parties that when you're on campus, right? It makes a lot of sense for a lot of guys to go to the G League route. If you're looking to generate hype and you're looking to generate a brand and you want to find a way to build that up, it's college basketball all the way. You don't have to manufacture this stuff in October, six months ago, right? It, it, that is going to be the biggest, the, 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 the most exposure that you get for a Scoot Henderson, Victor Wembanyama thing in this entire draft process. And it happens eight months before the draft. With college basketball from January until April, whoever those biggest players would have been, they would have been on national television every single night. And to me, that is the biggest difference when it comes to uh, the route that you have to go. You don't have to force your hand to get to to, to try to find a way to to. I mean, am I making sense, Theo? Like, yeah, I, but 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 the only the only problem is without a game like this, the world wouldn't have been introduced to Steve Ho Ufat. So, like, we need to keep it all in perspective here. The people needed to know who Steve is. No, so like let's let's keep that Steve. in perspective too. You, there's two e's in there. It's Steve. I know no, that's why I said Steve. How you fat? Exactly right. <laughs> what a what a legend, by the way. What a legend. He, he's awesome. been a good player for a long time. Yeah. I, I had to do a double take when I was like 24. Like he's, been, I was like, that's not this guy's name. Oh, you played ball. against no. him? Huh? You played against them? No, but whenever you're over there, you keep up with everybody because you're looking at jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and you do make a lot of sense, Rob. I mean, I think I see both sides of it. I'm, I'm with you on the college route and the and the fact that the publicity also creates itself. Absolutely. I just I I I think if you don't have that event last week, then we're really not talking about them at all. We don't remember well, it was, that it was match a great event. Like you if had you to put do it. it. At, but if you put it at the beginning of December, it just doesn't do do the same. Like I just felt like at the time it was on Tuesday night, you guys were scrolling through Twitter. It was the thing that everyone was talking yeah. about. There was no football going on. There was no, uh, there's nothing of consequence going on. So it's the same reason they put the champions classic on a Tuesday, every single season, they moved it off Friday because then it becomes the thing happening that night. It's the mm -hmm. same reason when you go through and look at the ACC big 10 schedule, what night are those games, Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights. You don't have to compete with any football, high school, college, or professional. And so it was very smart when they did it. It was very smart to help build the hype and generate this hype. It was smart for them to try to showcase like what the G League Ignite program is. But it's something that you have to force because no one gives a shit about minor league sports. That's the bottom line. People care about the school that they went to or the team that they're a fan of. And the byproduct of that is you get to hype up all of these great athletes and great players that go to these schools, whether it's football or basketball. That's what I'm it with is. you. There's, a, there's there's only one player that's done what Victor's done though here like he's he's the main he, he's the main option on a really good team in the top league in France and he's averaging 17 and 8. There's only been one player ever be that effective at the European level at that age. Was name that's was his name Luca? That's it. That's it. And mm -hmm. like the fact that Victor's doing all that stuff, you were able to get a glimpse of it. And then not only that, like it's harder to score in Europe. It's harder to score in Europe because that lane closes down in a hurry. Like the fact that he's able to, he came over here and he's like, "Holy cow, there's a lot of room." Well, oh my god, matter it. All he got, all like he has to do is just got to get the bowl on right, where he puts his hand up like this and no one can get it. Have you ever seen that clip when uh, I can't remember? He does it with Anthony Davis. Yeah, and he's like this and just holding it up. Yeah, doing <laughs> that, but you have like point guard skills and the ability to shoot like your Ray Allen. Like, yeah, just, he was he was unbelievable. He there was so much space for him to operate. It was crazy. Like he, like he didn't have all these seven foot, two hundred eighty pound Serbians just beating the heck out of him. Like he was like, man, there's a lot of room. 
They were, he's, like, he's, they, they were running him. They were running the seven foot four dude off of pin downs. T. I I know. What, what in the world is going on right now? What the hell is happening? It's ama- it was amazing. It was amazing. It'll All be right. the first scene of a 30 for 30. It really will be someday. Yeah. yeah, yeah you're not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. All right. Let's get into some of these questions. I got four of them. Uh, I'm going to you first on this one, Fanta. Cam Whitmore, the Lenovo star freshman, potential top 10 pick, had, uh, I believe it was thumb surgery. Over the weekend, it was it Friday yeah. that they announced it. I can't remember. Yep, yep. Everything runs together, so that means they're going to be without him until probably like, I think, my, from what I heard, it's about like four weeks or so that he's going to miss. So like he'll probably be back and healthy by the time Villanova starts playing real games. So I don't think that this will impact him at all. But like Caleb Daniels also has a broken nose. They got a couple other guys that are sitting out with, with uh, an Achilles injury and some other stuff going on. So. Does this change what you view Villanova's ceiling as long-term? Well, real games, for what it's worth, they are at Michigan State the second week of the season, and they're going to PK-85. And they need Cam Whitmore in PK-85, and I don't know if they'll have him. We'll see. I mean, that's Thanksgiving week. Uh, It's three and a half weeks into the season, so we'll see. Six weeks away. I would assume that he he should be back and and ready by then. Because the thing about a broken thumb, you're still going to be able to keep your legs in shape. It's just a matter of, like, are you going to re-injure that thumb? Like, does the cast off? Can you, can you, yeah. without rupturing any of the uh, the sutures or anything in there? So here's the thing: it's the latest injury obstacle on a laundry list of injury obstacles for Villanova, and whether or not it severely impacts Cam Whitmore, I don't think about that. Okay, like you said, it's a thumb injury. He should come back and be okay, but making your college debut against LaSalle on November 7th sounds a lot better than making your college debut against Iowa State on Thanksgiving Day, if that's what it were to come to. So my point is, for Villanova, they have been the Big East regular season champion or tournament champion in each of the last nine seasons, if they haven't done both. They have a streak of owning the conference until someone takes it from them. With the healthy Cam Whitmore and with a healthy Justin Moore, you would have been saying, yeah, they they could certainly be there, but the, the title belongs to Creighton in the preseason. Add in these different injuries and some of the unknowns that carry with them and a coaching change. Never, never has Villanova's streak of owning the Big East been in more jeopardy than it is heading into year 10 of this reconfigured Big East. That's mm-hmm. my take on this whole situation. Uh, T.O., this question comes in from Kev- at Kevin underscore J9. Uh, who will be the best freshman in college basketball? And we had another question come in that was asking, is there a freshman that can make first team All-America in the postseason? What do you think? Uh, the obvious answer is Nick Smith from Arkansas. He's very, very good. But an underrated answer is going to be Brandon Miller from Alabama. This kid can really go. He has shades of Penny Hardaway written all over him. He can handle it. He can dribble, shoot, and pass at a high level. And Nate Oates loves the young man. So go ahead and throw that in there as well. You have to put some Duke guys in the mix too because Duke's going to win a lot of games. They're going to get a lot of hype, and they're going to be a big story with John Shire in his first season. Problem is, is a lot of those Duke guards and Duke forwards rely on other people to get them shots. So they have to move the ball, and they, they're not going to be this ball-dominant team like they were with the Zion and RJ. Or like when I mean 
ISO scores is what I mean. The ball has to move for those guys to be really good. Uh, Brandon Miller's really, really good. Nick Smith's really, really good. And a guy that doesn't do all the huge things, but does all the little things and just impacts winning is another guy on Arkansas. Uh, my man, Jordan uh, Walsh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Walsh. I mean, like he he's a tough sucker. He communicates at a high level, can really shoot it. Uh, the SEC is filled with them, guys. The SEC is filled with them. And uh, I got word uh, from highly placed spies. Is that the is that the is that the correct term? I guess highly placed spies. I know <laughs> I know Doster loves that. But Bob Miller down at Florida State's playing his ass off. Mm-hmm. European guy who came over to Florida State could be the next in line at Tallahassee as a big guard who can shoot the ball, dribble pass, and shoot, can really defend. Florida State's going to be Florida State, and they've always had a stud. Baba Miller could be uh, that guy for Florida State this year. I'm just glad you didn't make the joke that you made off air. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, they're <laughs> going to enjoy Baba, and he's going to be Baba. See you later. Go ahead, use that. Dad jokes, dad joke time right That's now. That's a good dad joke. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I love like, how you make fun of a dad joke, and then our podcast is called DTF. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, come on, man. What are we Look, doing? I love, I love dad jokes, but only when I come up with them, right? Like, then, then they're clever. Of course. If anyone else comes up with a dad joke, then it's horrible. Um, I'm, <laughs> just I'm with you on Nick it. Smith. I think he's going to put up huge numbers, and I think that, like, the one thing Musk does is he finds where he can create mismatches, and he goes to that over and over and over he's again. He's good at that. And I think that uh, – what it sounds like coming out of Arkansas is Nick Smith is going to be one of the guys that they use that for Brandon Miller. We talked about him last week. Love him. Dariq Whitehead. I think he's going to be a stud, but coming off of this knee thing that he's got going on and not having a little bit of the preseason, I think it's going to be a bit of a slow start for him. And I just, I can't see him becoming a first team, all of all American uh, when it's all said and done. Love him. Great player. Here's one for you. What do you think about this Fanta? I'm going with Keontae George at Baylor. Now, I how did I miss him? Good the guy's an absolute pick. bucket. Baylor has a chance to be a top five team. Yeah. I don't. I think there's a non-zero chance he ends up being the leading scorer for Baylor. So if he ends up being the leading scorer on a Baylor team that wins the Big 12 and is a top five team, then mm-hmm. in a year where there's not very many great guards, he could end up being Ooh. the guy we look at as like, hey, he averages 16 for Baylor. They're top five. First team All-American. Yeah. I in, my, in my crystal ball, I just have this feeling. I, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago about Kentucky. If I do the crystal ball, it's either coming up big blue or it's coming up Baylor. Because I just, I think that Baylor, the way last season ended, it, it wasn't indicative of the season they had had to that point due to injuries and whatnot. But man, I, I thought they caught some bad fortune. And that's sometimes what happens in March. They, they remember, they almost came back against Carolina. Like they came this close to winning that game and they yeah. didn't. Um, I'm I'm fascinated. All of your submissions are are great, and Keontae George was where I was leaning with this, but I am fascinated to see how John Shire manages Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski because you've got guys that do different things, they have a different skill set. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how much Duke plays through them, what they do to, to enact that, to, to kind of play with the different styles. Will we see them together? Uh, and if so, how much is that going to happen? How does that all shake out? Your submissions are, are submissions that I totally agree with, but I, I am really intrigued to see. And, of course, for Dariq Whitehead, it looks like his recovery is, is in a good place. I've heard nothing but great things about Dariq. 
I'm just excited to see him step on the floor uh, in his college career. But how Duke does with that size, I think it's so intriguing. I think it's special potentially. And I'm really curious to see how John manages that here in year one, right? So we'll, we'll dive into the ACC preview uh, for the DTF podcast on okay. Halloween on October 31st. Two more. We'll have, uh, I know what you're about to say, T.O. We'll have the ACC preview from the field of 68 after dark. That'll be on October 24th. Um, so last question. Uh, oh, a- go ahead. Okay. So there's uh, two on the West Coast because we show so much East Coast bias, at least Texas and over. Uh, Adam Bona and Amari Bailey at UCLA yeah. are both very, very good. They're yeah. going to be very, very good. They're not going to get as much uh, publicity uh, because they are so far over on the West Coast and there's going to be 37 people show up to their games. But, like, it's uh, th- those two are very, very good players. My, my only thing with those two, like, the the way we framed the question was first-team All-American and, like, Jaime Hawkins is that dude at UCLA. You talked mm. to them last week, T.O., dude's a stud. Um, yeah, so I, I he's – to me, to me, he's the guy that's going to be first-team All-American in that group. Um, He's fun to share right. some love to the West yeah. Coast. Yeah, yeah. No, so, not enough West Coast love here. Lots of West Coast love. All right. The one of the questions we had was the best opening week matchups. We don't really have any good opening week matchups. We have uh, Michigan State and Gonzaga are going to be playing on the aircraft carrier. There's a there's Stanford is playing uh, Wisconsin in some like baseball stadium. So there's like some weird matchups around there, but there's nothing really great in that first week. So I'm going to skip that question. I'm going to go to one. It came in. Uh, when Fanta requested these, I don't have the name for who it came in from, but I want to know one, what was your go-to beer when you were in college? And oh. two, now that you are an adult and grown up, allegedly Fanta, what is your go-to beer now? Yeah. So the question came in from Josh Frierks. So Josh, thank you for the question. My beer of choice in college was Corona. I, I love Corona. I love the lime. It's always going to be Corona for me. I, I still thoroughly enjoy Corona. That being said, guys, in college, okay, I had a very bad experience with Great Lakes Brewing Christmas Ale. And I hope my buddies listen to the podcast, but let's just say my clothes came off without any sort of any sort of precursor and I got some assistance from from some of my buddies uh, after a holiday party. Uh, but it, it was it, warm. It, what's that? It was warm. It, oh, it was warm. It was warm. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It was warm. I mean, I, it was it was definitely warm. Um, but I don't drink too much Great Lakes Christmas ale. I'm sure you've seen if you go to a high level oh, brewing. I've had it. Great it's Lakes. delicious. It is oh, a fantastic beer. I love yeah, it. Drink four of them and then watch what happens. I mean, I, I've had some 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 interesting experiences, but look, for me, I'm a, I'm I will tell you this much. I'm a champion for rolling rock today. Not many places have it, not many bars have it. I love the green bottle. It makes it colder. For as warm as I was with Great Lakes Christmas Ale is as cold as a nice Rolling Rock is. We need Rolling Rock to sponsor this podcast. Green oh. Bottle makes it colder. <laughs> Tio, what do you got? Love it. Uh, when I was in college, I didn't partake in as many activities until after the season. And I was so <laughs> worried about like dehydrating whenever you were drinking because I, I was inexperienced. So I, would, <laughs> I wasn't a beer guy until after college, but I would vodka it up with Gatorade and wonder why my stomach was so messed up the next day, wondering why, what I ate, 
What's going on? Why is this only do to do this to me in April of every year? Because obviously there's not a whole lot going on. So like you just, you want a quick, fast way to get your stomach in some bubble guts, do that. Uh, after that, hold on, shout out to CJ Moore because I, one year at the final four, before we had the media game, um, me and CJ went out and CJ said, I'm only drinking vodka water so I can stay hydrated. And it's like, he's like, yeah, it's going to make sure I'm not hung over tomorrow morning. And, you know, nope, that did not work out very well. So shout out to CJ Moore, the athletic for that. (laughs) By the way, Tio, the vodka of Gatorade gave you us an appetizer to the hurricanes in New Orleans this past (laughs) April. (laughs) I only had one of those in New Orleans. I only had one of those. And you you just take one sip of those. You're like, man, these are good. I got to quit. Like (laughs) I got through half one. I was like, this is a bad idea. I'm going to be feeling like Doster. The, thank God there wasn't a camera crew on Bourbon Street. I mean, there were, but they were. Oh, there was. There oh, were. There was. It was called the Jeff Goodman Cinema Cinematography. Oh, He's got some videos. Do you know how annoying it was walking Bourbon Street with him? Like it's the worst. It's the every Final Four. Like I, I, I. He is the worst person to hang out with there because every single person stops him, and he has the inability to just. Do the blow by, be like, "Hey, what's going on, man? I'll see you." He's got to talk. And he's to a every- bad walker. He walks like, like, like he's in a procession line at the Queen's funeral. It's like Jeff, let's speed it up a little bit. <laughs> he waddles. He doesn't walk. He waddles. He's a yeah. waddler, and he like he like goes like figure eight, like from you know, and the street is all brick. I think on Bourbon Street, it was just. Disaster. A suboptimal gate. He's got a suboptimal gate. Um, since you asked, my favorite beer in college was Bush Light, and these days I'll go with anything that is uh that is an IPA of eight percent or stronger. Um, I tend to <laughs> those, those, those My favorite colors. beer now is there's one in Sweden called Mary Stad. It is very good. It is my favorite. Wow. But I don't get to drink it all that often, but it's it's one of my favorite. Mm. All right, you guys ready to dive into the Big Ten preview? Let's do it. Here we go. Let's let's dive into this overrated conference every year. Let's let's just dive into this overrated. And hey, if you guys want to learn about just how overrated this conference is, make sure you go and purchase the Almanac. It's for $19.99. You can find it in the link below. 600,000 words uh, we wrote between between us, uh, Field of 68, Verbal Commits, Heat Check, CBB, and and the three-man weave guys. Uh, While you're at it, if you're going to do that, you might as well go subscribe to the Field of 68 Daily, the newsletter that we put out every single morning. You get it straight into your inbox, a thousand words a pop. Uh, It is exactly $0.00 to subscribe, so make sure you go and do that. The link will be in the description below. Um, All right, so we're going to start with this, guys. I want to know what your most interesting storyline, the thing that you're most interesting to watch in the Big Ten uh, is this year. And Fanta, I'm going to you first. All eyes on Indiana. Because I'm first, I'll go with the team picked at the top of the league. Look, college basketball is better when Bloomington is buzzing. And it might be the obvious pick for the top storyline, but it is the pick. Because, guys, if Indiana can make the deep tournament run, Everybody in college hoops is going to benefit from it. They are one of the biggest brands in the sport. They have not been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in seven years. It's been a little while. This program has not been to an elite eight in even longer than that. We're talking well over a decade. So there's a drought. There's a drought. And they've got the pieces. Look at the hoops hysteria at Assembly Hall Friday night. And you tell you you answer the question of what does Indiana mean to college basketball? 
between Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, Miller Cop, Xavier Johnson, the returnees. They return four starters. Then you bring in Jalen Hood Shafino. You bring in uh, Malik Renault. They have a terrific freshman class. Mike Woodson, to me, was the hire. I remember being inside Hinkle Fieldhouse when the hire was made. And everyone's like, God, they're just going to be rough forever. God, Indiana's never going to get it right. God, I don't like this hire at all. All those takes at the time, I get it. I get why those takes happen. But now he has a chance to have this redemption tour at his alma mater with Indiana basketball and All-American and TJD. That's fun, and that has to be the top storyline in the Big Ten. Now the question is, how is Indiana going to handle all of that hype? How are they going to handle all that hype? One thing they got going for them, they were the Big Ten's best Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency team last year. They don't have to learn defense. They know how to do it. That's a credit to Woodson. He got that installed last year, and Indiana will guard you. The question is, will they make enough perimeter shots on the other end of the floor? I think it's important that we point out one of the biggest critics of that hire was our very own Jeff Goodman. Yes, he was. He was one of the biggest critics of that hire. I think that's uh, to be noted. Um, I also would just, you know, we'll get into it in a little bit. Tio, what's your biggest storyline? Because I have a lot of thoughts. I I just wonder if we, the media, are going to get completely infatuated with the Big Ten in the non-conference like we have every other year, just for them to flame out in the NCAA tournament. And I'm saying that with all love in my heart. But look at some of the different leagues throughout the country. The Big Ten keeps their guys, and credit to them for doing that. There's not a ton of transfers outside of Illinois. There's not a ton of new pieces that come in. It's guys that are that are brought in through their program. So what happens during the non-conference is they're going to be good because they already know their system. Where other leagues that are aren't judged in the same or that nice. don't do so well in the early season, they're still learning their pieces. ACC throw that part in there, like. They rely a lot on freshmen. They a lot rely a lot on transfers. Big yep. Ten doesn't do that. They're going to be good early, just to flame out later. That's what's been happening. And a lot of what the thing is with the Big Ten, what wins in the Big Ten doesn't necessarily win in the Big Dance. So, like, bingo. That's what it is. In the Big Ten, if you look at all these different preseason, not, I, the Almanac, I don't have it right in front of me, but, like, a good majority of the first-team all-conference teams are all bigs. Doesn't necessarily win in the Big, in the big Dance. So, like, are we going to fall in love again with the Big Ten that's going to go to the big dance and struggle? That's my biggest question. Yeah. No, the, the, the point about um, what you need to win in the Big Ten not being what you need to win in any other league in basketball, no matter the level, is, is prescient. My my take is that – or my most interesting storyline story is, is that this league stinks. Like, this league is not – it's not what the Big Ten has been the last couple of years. I there thought it was just going to be me. I thought I was going to take no, the run of not only Iowa, but every every state in the Big Ten country. Okay. Well, I see, I, I push back on the people that say that the Big Ten was overrated the last couple of years. I think that it was absolutely loaded the last couple of years. It just didn't have one of those elite teams, right? Like it didn't have a top five team the last couple of years. It just had 10 teams that were in that like 10 to 25 range. And I think this year it has like one, maybe two teams in that 10 to 25 range at the top. Like, let's take Indiana, for example, right? We're all hyping this team up. We're all getting excited about this group. We're all saying, like, oh, they got a real chance to do some things. Well, they finished last season ranked 48th in Ken Palm. To be able to get to the NCAA tournament, they needed to collapse from Michigan uh, in the Big Ten tournament to be able to make that happen. Um, They are relying on a point guard in Xavier Johnson who has 
The only thing he's done consistently throughout his career is play inconsistent. And their best lineup is going to have Trace Jackson Davis, who's never made a three-pointer in college, and Race Thompson, who shot 27% from three last year, on yep. the floor at the same time together. Yes. And they were 48th in Kempom last year. Like, what's uh, Are we really sitting here banking on Jalen hood Shafino being the guy that can change all of this? Tamar Bates taking a step forward and being the guy that can change all of this? I don't know. I, I think it's very possible. I don't I know. Think part, fully, I, I think, think part really- of it – sorry to break in. I think part of it is – the amount they return. And I think the bigger part of it is how much the rest of the league lost. Well, yeah, for sure. And I, I don't, I, I think that they're the favorite to win the league. I'm just saying, I don't think that I buy in all the way on them being more than like a, I'd probably have them outside the top 20 in the preseason top 25. And they would be the only team for me that was ranked um, wow. Illinois. They lost Kofi. They lost like eight of their top 10 pieces. They're bringing back players like Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer, bringing in transfers like Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer, who like never quite hit it um, at their previous stops. They're relying on Coleman Hawkins, who has all of this potential and has the ability to probably be a lottery pick and average six points and four boards last season. Um, Michigan lost four of their five starters. They bring back Hunter, but they're going to be relying on three freshmen or an up transfer from, uh, from, from Princeton. Or, oh, very uh, good player. We'll, we'll get into he that. was we'll a get top into 100 kid at high school. No, I know, but I'm saying like, he's a, he's an up transfer from Princeton. Yep. And there's, they, I actually think that he's going to fit there a lot better than Devonte Jones did just because of his athleticism and the fact that like he wasn't built to play in a Princeton style, but yep. it's still like you have a, a transfer from the Ivy league and a bunch of freshmen and a sophomore that didn't really do anything last year surrounding Hunter Dickinson. Like how, why am I supposed to buy all the way in on a team that lost four of their five starters? And then Michigan state, whatever Purdue lost Jaden Ivy, like Wisconsin. Are we really going to trust a team that has a guy named Chucky Hepburn and, and as their star point guard, the breakout player, like I just, and keep in mind too, that's the same team that needed Johnny Davis to save their ass. And yes. a, billion, a billion times last year. Yeah. So let's get, let's get into it guys. Let's uh, the, the second subject that we're going to get into is like, who's the yep. favorite twin. Are you guys both saying it's Indiana? Yeah. Yeah. yeah as it should be. Um, but I do think that the biggest adversary to Indiana is Michigan. I really do think it's Michigan. I mean, Michigan made an elite eight two years ago and a sweet 16 last year despite all the ups and downs, they still made it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and they still have Hunter Dickinson back, mm-hmm. who you could argue does more things for a team than Trace Jackson Davis does. It's, for Michigan, it just comes down to what they're going to get from their backcourt, and that's a big, big, big if. But I do think that Michigan's the biggest adversary. I think that's where the debate starts in the Big Ten, T.O. and Rob, is, okay, if Indiana is the front runner. Who is the team that challenges them the most? And I'm going to go with Jawan Howard of Michigan based on track record and based on the fact that they have an All-American back leading them. Yeah, I actually like the the addition of Joey Baker from Duke. I think he's going to be a better player for Michigan than what Caleb Houston was. I agree with that from a fit standpoint, although what about Houston as a defender and a rebounder? I, I thought he, I think he's addition by subtraction. He was all potential, no production. Fair. And I think Joey will understand his role. He's going to he's going to stay within what they're going to do, and he's going to be able to space the floor. I think as far as a fit is concerned, he's going to be a better player. Uh, th- to me, it's all going to come down to the, the, where's the buzzer, T.O.? Point guard play. Yeah, Every exactly. team, you look at the top five spots, the, the top five teams in this conference, um, Indiana, right? 
Xavier Johnson is pro- I think we can say when he's at his best, he's a what top eight point guard in America mm-hmm. at worst, maybe top five when he's playing his best. I think he's really good. I, I think yeah. Xavier Johnson's really good. And I, when he's playing, when he's playing at his best, he is very, very, very good, but he's, it's a little bit of like the Caleb love dynamic, right? Where we don't always know that we're going to get good Xavier Johnson. Now, if he's the guy that he was over the course of the last three weeks of last season, then, then I think Indiana is probably like they're they're very clearly the best team in this conference. They have the best five men, they have the best point guard, and they have a, they have enough role pieces where they should be able to get the job done in the Big Ten in this league, right? But Xavier Johnson's also a guy that can shoot you out of a game if he decides to have one of his two for fifteen performances. I think you look at the point guard spot in Michigan. We talked about Jalen Llewellyn. I'll let you say your piece on him in a second, T.O., because I know you know a lot about him. But he's a guy. You, I don't want to keep you in a dead horse, but. You bring in a transfer from from the Ivy League. There's no guarantee that they're going to be great. Yeah. Um, I, I think you look at Illinois, Sky Clark, freshman coming off a torn ACL. Kid's got a ton of potential. He's a bucket getter. He's athletic. I think he's a good player. He's still a freshman coming in off a torn ACL. Uh, I am not completely sold on the AJ Hoggard uh, or AJ Hogard um, Tyson Walker combination at Michigan State being good enough to get it done. And you look at Purdue. They lost Jaden Ivey. They had point guards issues last last year. They lost Eric um, Hunter, Eric Hunter to Butler, and I think they're probably going to end up starting a uh, a freshman at the point as well. Yeah, um, so got the kid I, from I'm Utah not, as well. Yeah, the the uh, what's the transfer that he was at UNLV? I'm blanking on. Uh, David Jenkins, David Braden Jenkins. Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. Like, there's there's those are probably the top five teams in the conference, and there are question marks at the point for all of them. There's question marks at the point for Ohio State, who's another really good team. That we're not like so. I just there's a lot of issues at the point guard spot, which is part of the reason why I'm sitting here. Like I I'm not sold on any of these teams nationally. I, I like Indiana for the, those reasons. I like uh, Jalen Llewellyn's a good player, mm-hmm. and like he he's big. He's six three, probably bigger, a little bit bigger than that. He probably put on some good weight while he was admission while he's been there this summer. He's a really good player. Now, the rest of their pieces, we got to wait and see, right? But the team with the highest upside is Illinois. Yes. Uh, especially with Terrence Shannon coming in, Meyer coming in. Uh, Sky Clark's got to be great. He's a big, strong kid, but like he, I think he, he needed to lose a little weight in the offseason. I think he's done that. But they, like Underwood coaching this guy and being so, was it multi dimensional? because of how they can score, who can score, where the ball's going to be. Like, they might not win the Big Ten, but they could be the team that ends up going the furthest in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think of, that's so. exactly the way that I view them. I, I don't think that they're – I would bet on them to win the Big Ten. If I had to bet on someone from the Big Ten to make the Final Four, it would probably be Illinois because their ceiling is higher than anyone else's ceiling. Does that make I'm sense? I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I, and I think Michigan State's going to Michigan State. They'll end up making it. Uh Sorry, we were going to talk about underrated. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll no, no, wait. let's go to underrated. Let's do that. Let's do that now. Yeah. I think we all agree. It's in some order. It's Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, at the top of the conference, and we all tend to lean. And the crazy the part, Lindy's had them at seventh. Illinois. Oh, okay. that's insane. Well, Lindy's yeah, is damn Lindy's wrong. Had, him, had Illinois. I'll tell you what. Lindy's is twelve ninety nine. If you are an Illinois fan, and if you're a Big Ten fan, and you want some real, accurate <laughs> analysis for what the conference is going to look like. Save those thirteen dollars. Pay the $7 extra, and I promise you, I promise you that the analysis that you're going to get from the Almanac is worth the $7 that you would have spent, the $7 more that you're going to spend. Because if you have Illinois 7th in the Big Ten, you're out of your fucking mind, and you don't know what you're talking about. Fanta, who is the most underrated team in the Big Ten? Iowa. 
Iowa, baby. I will champion the Hawkeyes. Go ahead. Walk out on me. Chris Murray is poised to have a big year for that team. They bring back the McCaffrey brothers as well. Peyton Sanford, to me, is an X-factor and a perimeter threat for them. Fran McCaffrey keeps getting doubted in this league. He loses Luca Garza. Everyone's like, oh, they'll probably take a step back. Keegan Murray was unbelievable for them. Chris Murray is now ready to take the torch. Who else would you rather have in terms of being able to hand that torch off Two, he learned from his brother. He knows what the system is. Fran's very good at molding his teams. He's obviously got his sons. And he's got a team that I think had a couple of freshmen last year, had a couple of younger guys, underclassmen, that are ready to take the next step. So for me, the Hawkeyes, who, as I look at the Big Ten preseason poll, they were picked to finish seventh in the league. It would not surprise me at all to see them in a battle, a tie for third or a tie for fourth. They will finish higher than seven. They're underrated. I, I don't, I actually don't disagree with that. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating. Like, again, they're another team with point guard issues. I think Tony Perkins is an X factor there. I think uh, yep. Peyton Sanford has, like, he's giving me some Joe Wieskamp vibes. There, there's uh-huh. a lot of, uh, a lot of good things coming out of uh, is it Iowa City? Where are they? Where, where Iowa are they? City. It doesn't Iowa City. Around. It's a beautiful place to take in a game. A lot of the good only things good coming thing out of Iowa. That City. place you can see Nebraska. That's the only good thing about that place. <laughs> uh, you are so mean to them. Oh man, I just I, I think the the Chris Murray storyline is going to be fascinating to me simply because like. Yeah. Yep. There's going to be so much pressure on that dude. And like, if, if his name was like Chris Oglesby or Chris <laughs> Fanta, I think he'd be in a much better situation. But the fact that his brother bucket. went from being like, his, Keegan was what Chris Murray, Keegan as a freshman is what Chris Murray was last year. So everyone's going to be expecting Chris Murray this year to be what Keegan was last year. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid to, yeah. to, to like, if you're not a first team All American, then you fucking suck. Like, that's, that's yep. a lot. Tio, who's your most underrated player? The Golden Gophers. I like you. Minnesota. I like it. Minnesota is going to be pretty good. Ben Johnson in his second season, is, the administration is thrilled with that hire. They love him, and they've really? done a pretty good job in the transfer portal. And now they get Dawson Garcia, who's on his 12th school in two years or whatever it is. He started out at Marquette and then goes to Carolina, North Carolina and then ends up at Minnesota back in his home state, I believe. Uh, a really yes. talented lefty big who kind of fits the profile, but he can stretch it a little bit. I think it makes him a little bit different than other five men in the Big Ten Conference. Not only that, this Taylon Cooper of the Moorhead State transfer who finished top 10 in the country in assists, he goes there. And that's to go along with Jamison Battle, who's one of the best scorers in the Big Ten, over 17 points a game last year. I think Minnesota's on the right track, and the Almanac has him at 13th. The that's, Almanac yeah. has him at 13th. I, I think did, that's I a little bit low, and I think that they're well-coached, they're they're energetic, they have pieces, and they have guys that can score it. Uh, the Golden Gophers are going to be much better this season. I think that they're closer to, like, the the Wisconsin-Rutgers range than they are in that, like, yes. state, Nebraska. I don't even know why. Then the Nebraska. Um, I think they can range. creep in that 7, 8, 9 range yep, in things, a bad Big Ten. If things, if things go well, things go well. If things them. go um, well, of course. I mean, it's I have, dedicated on everything. My most underrated team, and I, I want to see Fanta's face when I say this, the Maryland Terrapins. We are not talking enough about the Maryland 
Terrapins. I think Dante Scott has a chance to be a first-team All-Big Ten player this year. Akeem like Hart, Julian Reese, like you need those guys to take a step forward. I think they have the kind of length and athleticism yep. and versatility that you would want out of players in those positions. I think when you give Kevin Willard three dudes like Akeem Hart, Dante Scott, and Julian Reese, and then give them a pair of guards and Jamar Young, uh, I'm sorry, Jameer Young and Donald yep. Carey. Now, there's not a lot of guys in that program that have won games before, right? Bingo. Jameer Young was was on a losing basketball team at Charlotte. Don Carey will average 13 and three or whatever it was on the worst Georgetown team that we have ever seen, right? So you have a lot of, I, I, I don't want to say losing basketball players, but basketball players that have been on losing teams coming into this program. There's not a ton of depth, but if you look at that roster and look at the way that it's built, that was not that team was seven and 13 in the Big Ten last year because their coach quit eight games into the season. Right. So I think you bring in. Kevin we still Williams. had to wear a hot dog suit, didn't we, Fanta? Yeah. We still had to wear that hot dog suit. Man. Yeah. And there was bad. no there was no justification then. Yeah. So I, I do the think only- that Maryland to me, Maryland's a, a top half of the Big Ten team. I think that they there's a non-zero chance that they can creep and crack that tier that has like Michigan State and Purdue is, is a top five team. I think yeah, the, the only issue with Maryland is the Big Ten did not do them any favors with that schedule, nor were they going to do Maryland any favors. Ma- Maryland's front end of the of the Big Ten schedule. Listen to this. And Willard, he'll let us know about it. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I know exactly where this is coming from. <laughs> New Year's New Year's Day at Michigan. Happy New Year. January 5th, Thursday night at Rutgers. January 8th. Home to Ohio State. Winnable game. Ohio State, though, I think could be a dark horse in this league. Guys, that's the first three. The fourth game at Iowa. Home Michigan at Purdue. That's really hard to start with. It's, with it's the Big Ten. You could, you could pick six teams out of a hat, play three of them on the road and three of them at home, and the but, schedule is going to suck. Yeah, like, but, just because they didn't happen to get North Nebraska and Northwestern. Northwestern, Penn State. Yeah, cut like come on, the Willard. Willard, look, you're in the Minnesota. Big Ten now. Look, Ke- Coach Willard, Kevin, you're in the Big Ten now. It's not the Big East anymore. You got to put on your big boy pants. You're gonna have to play some tough games. Okay. Oh, wait. You're not gonna be going on the road. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Are you suggesting <laughs> they don't play big boy games in the Big East? I mean, look, he played at DePaul, so like the teams are a little bit better than. Yeah, DePaul. but he gets to play in Nebraska in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, he gets to We're play Nebraska and Penn State. About Nebra- hey, look, Nebraska. Nebraska will put fifteen thousand people in 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 that arena. Yeah, to get it, watch them get beat by thirty. Yeah, right. to get beat by thirty, they'll put Penn 50, State. You can hand out tickets for free. They wouldn't know where to go. Yeah, Penn State was, would be like, "How come Christian Hackenberg's not playing basketball right now? What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, give me your. Uh, let, let, you know what? Let's do uh, what we expect. Like the the level of. Can I give Maryland kudos though? Yeah, it was Maryland's good, man. You got to give them some props. There, yeah, I want Spark is going like, to be back. Not only that, just if you go up and down the rosters in the Big Ten, the fact that Willard's put so much emphasis on dominating the DMV, and they've done a nice job with a bunch yep. of high school seniors coming in, like give it two years. Willard can coach oh, yeah. with anybody. He's yeah. going to get the talent uh, that, be honest with you guys, yeah. it exceeds the other talent that the rest of the league yeah. is and getting. And they, they like they like the uh, the Cornish kid that, that the uh, he registered last year. Um, Noah Bachelor, the kid coming in that he originally committed to Memphis, can really, really shoot it. And then they brought in the kid from uh St. St. Francis, Brooklyn. Um, Patrick, M- I can't, I'm gonna butcher his name. I think it's it's Emmeline, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, but he's gonna be like a stretch four that will be able to create. Like, they're gonna be good. 
They're gonna be able. I think they'll make the tournament. Um, yeah, I think so. You know what? Let's talk. Good. Let's talk about expectations for these teams. All right. Is there anyone in this conference that you would call a Final Four contender? Uh, not this year. I don't think so. I don't think I would call anyone a Final Four contender. Is there anyone here that you think can set a level of expectation where they say, if we don't make the Elite Eight, it's not a good season? I don't think there is. Not this year, no. I No, I don't think so. Well, because like if you don't make it there, so then the season's a failure? No. Yeah, no. So it's like... I think no. Indiana can make the Elite Eight. Yeah, I think, I think that, they could, but he's saying if they didn't make it, it would be a disappointment. Yeah, right. there, no. there's no one. There's no one in this conference that's at the level of a uh, a Kentucky or a Gonzaga or a North Carolina or a Houston or a Kansas. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no one in that tier in this league, right? Who do you think is a legit second weekend team in this conference? The top three: uh, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan. Yep. I I don't even know if I would. I think I would say that it would be a great season for any of those three if they got to the second weekend. Well, I, I think it'd be a good season for Indiana. I think it's the expectation that they make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I think for Michigan, it's kind of become the norm. So yeah. if they don't make the Sweet 16, that actually is disappointing. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that it is it from our standpoint, but it is inside their building. And then for Illinois, like, wouldn't it be kind of ironic that in the first year without Kofi, they make the run in March Madness. Like, I kind of get that vibe about them, and I think they're going to play very differently. Obviously, they have to, but I think that their makeup this year, and and Underwood alluded to this with me a couple weeks ago, like, he's not exactly shunning the the new makeup of of it potentially being better for his team. I think you're going to see the best version of Brad Underwood this year. Because that dude can coach. I agree. And now he's got a lot more tools and a lot more versatile pieces yep. than he's had. You know, Io DeSumnu dominated the ball when he was there. Kofi Coburn just cluttered everything up a lot when he was there. Like, now you're going to have all these multidimensional pieces that can move. And then, like, this kid, Dane Danger, that they got from Baylor is a pretty good player. Yeah. And they could throw it the ball, they could throw it to him in the post, and he could get you a couple off the bench if that's what where they decided to use him. Like they got RJ Melendez, Luke Good, or two guys that can take a step forward. And I will say this: this is a direct quote from Brad Underwood from the Almanac. Our system is going to be suited to Coleman Hawkins. Yeah. So having him at the five this year, I think, is going to be a big difference. They're versatile. Like I said, they have the highest ceiling of anybody in this league. Yes. And yeah. I would not be surprised to see them be a four seed that loses to a 13. I think that that's just that's who Illinois is. I, think I hope they're going to be this. I season. also think it's entirely possible that they make a heck of a run. I do Especially too. If Coleman Hawkins like takes off to where we think he can take yeah. off. And I, I said it earlier. They're the only team that I think has a real chance to make the final four in this conference. I'd push back a little bit on Michigan being a, a sweet 16 team. I think they're more like probably want to win a game in the tournament. And I think they're they'll be in like that six to eight seed range. All right. Uh, tournament teams, Ohio state. Yes or no. Yeah. Yes. With a chance to be dangerous come March, I think they're very different in how they're going to play. I think Bruce Thornton is college ready. I like Roddy Gale. I I think that that Ohio State to me is so much more interesting this season than they were last year. I know that they had some more star power, but to me, they're the team in the Big Ten that could make the biggest leap from November to March just because they have such a fountain of youth. And I think that youth with Chris Holtman, I think Holt's really, really good. And 
Uh, I like my man Jake Diebler over there. I'm high on Ohio State. Bullish tournament team. Hey, uh, Felix Opara, freshman. Good. Yeah. Talk to me about Bruce Good. Thornton. That's your guy, right? Who, me? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be able to play right away. He yep. doesn't turn it over. He's smart. He's strong as a bull. I mean, when, like he looks like he could play uh, running back on their football team. Yep. Like he's strong as a bull. His game is mature. Uh, he's going to be able to shoot it well enough, and he can get them into Holtman's offense. Go ahead, Fanta. Terrence, you didn't say the name loud enough. Felix Opara, right? Very good. Very good player. I, I heard over the weekend that he has a chance to be a stud for the Buckeyes. So watch out for Felix Opara. He's not the, the main headliner of the recruiting class, but he's going to be a headliner this season. And you're right. Defensively. Bruce Thornton has a college-ready body. Like, there's no easing in period there. The key for Ohio State, got to have Justice Suing healthy, guys. Yeah. You got to have healthy Justice Suing. Yeah, and I, I just want to mention um, they brought in Sean McNeil from yeah, West underrated, Virginia. yeah, shooter, knockdown shooter. They brought in Ice Likely from uh, from Oklahoma State, yeah. like who can't yeah. can't shoot for shit. So that my biggest issue with this team is if you look at who they have coming in, like uh, just Bryce Sensible. Oh, he's tough, dude. Bryce, I love Sensiball. that dude. Uh, so here's here's my thing with this group. I think that they're probably I would say they're probably a year away from being like a top five team in the league. I think that they can get to a tournament, but I think they're probably a year away from um, quite being. I agree. A year away if they keep all their pieces together from being a top 10 team in the country. I agree. I agree with you. I just, they're a year away. They're, they're where, in my opinion, they were, they are now where Virginia was at this time last year. Yes. Like you look at them and you're like, man, they're a year away. They're and, a year away. And, and you know what's this fun? year, like Virginia is going to be a bunch of studs. Like Ohio state is there this year. Yeah. And you know, what's fun about them? They're doing it the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. All right. Except, uh, except for Sean McNeil. Yep. We we and uh, and Ice Likely. Um, we talked about um, we talked about Iowa already, right? We both have them. We all have them in the tournament. Yes. Tournament. Do you think they? they what are they? Second weekend, win a game, and you're happy? No, eight in nine game, eight nine game, or a seven tournament, ten. You're happy. Seven yeah. ten game. Could um, win a game. Michigan State. We haven't really talked about them. Michigan State and Purdue. Where do you guys see them? Are they tournament teams? Okay. Michigan this is where State. it gets dicey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm more bullish on Michigan State than probably the others are. I just – I like the summer that they had. Talking with Tom Izzo, there's some momentum there. He credited the guys he's got coming back for really buying back in to their system, to who they are. They're going to have to play small. That is the biggest factor for Michigan State. Matty Sissoko is not going to do it, and, and Jackson Kohler, he's a freshman. You can't ex- – I mean, I like him. I like That's it. a tough league for freshmen, too. It's a real tough league for freshmen. Yeah. For me, the biggest key for Michigan State is who is going to be the alpha for this team. Because you could say that it's going to be A.J. Hogard, but he's got to then be that guy. I mean, that's those are some big, big shoes. Malik Hall, to me, is they need him to put together a really nice year. And then, guys, like Joey Hauser can't be here today, gone tomorrow. He's got to be an every game player for them because they're probably going to have to play him at the five. They're yeah. probably going to have to play him at the five because that's their best personnel well, I, lineup. Michigan I know, State, I know what you're saying. They would have, I, I would say that they probably would have Malik Hall at the five and Joey Hauser at the four. With you get my drift. AJ Hogarth, Tyson Walker, and in an ideal world, Jay Nakins. But to yeah. me, like that lineup gets really, really interesting. The problem is, like, when have we ever seen Izzo lean all the way into playing a small ball lineup? They had. Jaron Jackson, 
and Miles Bridges on the same team, and we could not get lineups with Jaron Jackson at the five and Miles Bridges at the four. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've never seen it. We've yeah, never seen yeah. it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I will say Izzo seems to be extremely high on Jaden Akins. So if he breaks out to the level that, that he could, Michigan State could have some nice backcourt play. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the matchup wrinkles that they possess with Hall and Hauser. Yeah, and I just want to so, – so we don't get yelled at by Michigan State fans. Yes, Jaden Akins has a foot injury. Yes, he should be back and ready to go by the time that the season really matters. All right, T.O. Malik, Purdue, Hall, Malik Hall was kind of their de facto who we're going to go to at the end of games too. Like yep. have it with a year of that under their belt, like he's going to be able to close some games that he didn't last year. So hopefully he's a senior this year, man. It's, a it's time for put up or shut up time. Um, yeah, Michigan I, State fans shouldn't be mad at us. We just gave them a lot more respect than others are giving them that. Yeah, like, so. Michigan State, I, I'd, I'd put them in, what is 25 years in a row? They've Unless you're Carter Elliott. If you're Carter Elliott, you can kiss my ass. T.O., talk to me about Purdue. Zach Eady is a game changer. <laughs> Outside of that, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't really have much for you. Like, we'll just wait and see with Purdue. I just have so much faith in Matt Painter. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. He's just going to figure it out. That, But that, to be honest with you guys, that's where it cuts off for me. After Purdue. Like, and, and not only that, the Big Ten needs to be good in the non-conference. And with not being as talented – as they were last few seasons, it's going to be hard. I, I'll say this: this not I'll the say big this about Purdue. it has been. I'll say this about Purdue. Um, Zach Eady, I, I, we all like. I, what else is there to say about him? He, he's he's an absolute monster. He's an absolute force. He's a he's impossible to stop at the college level. I would say Ethan Morton, Caleb First, Mason yeah. Gillis are three guys that all shoot at above forty percent. That are all switchable defensively that are all willing to sit in there and buy into the job that they're going to be asked to do by Matt Painter, right? They're just good, solid role players that can fit in the system. Brandon um, Newman could be a guy too. Good point. Yeah, you, I mean, you've been – Absolutely. You, talk, you talked about him last year, T.R. I remember that specifically. Like, he needs to take a step forward. They need a big year out of David Jenkins, who was awesome at South Dakota State and who was pretty good at – I think he went to – did he go to UNLV, right? He went to Utah. Went to Utah. So, like, yeah. he – yeah, he, he's a guy – they need him to be the guy that but he was two years ago. Braden Smith, freshman coming in at the point. I will say this, though, and then we can move on, because I do want to ask you guys about Wisconsin and Rutgers before we, we, we go anywhere else. Um, if you look at the teams that Matt Painter has had in, like, 2017, 2018, they did not have great point guard play, right? But they built stuff around Isaac Haas, and they were able to have good enough point guard play, good enough shooting, and they just executed – that they were able to win a lot of games doing that. So I think that they are going to be – I don't think they're going to be competing for the Big Ten title. I don't think we're going to be talking about them as a potential Final Four team. But if they can kind of get close to what they did last year, 29-8, and 14-6 and six in the Big Ten, finished in like that top four in the league, I think that's very much in the realm of possibility with this group. Although I would say that if they get to the tournament and win a game, that is a good season for them. Uh, T.O., you said the cutoff comes after Purdue for you. Uh, Wisconsin and Rutgers. You don't think either of those teams have a chance to be tournament? Wisconsin lose Brad Davison and Johnny Davis. I mean, you want to talk about the bulk of your team, the emotional leader and crazy person, and then one of the most talented players you've had at that school ever. So the, the, that's going to be a huge issue. Not to mention Johnny Davis. Man, he he saved their butts in about ten games last year. Like for them to be good, it's going to have to be by committee. Chucky Hepburn, fan. However, not a carry the team on my back type of dude. It's going to have to be done by committee. I, I'm not a huge fan of Wisconsin. Of course, 
you know, you're relying whenever on, you lose your best player and in, in one, one of the most talented players in school history, it's going to be hard. The, yeah, you're the relying on that, Tyler Wall, Stephen Kroll, and um, and Chucky Hepburn, and like that is just the okay. I can't buy into it. I, I like Rutgers though. I, Rutgers, they, they, you know what? Their talent doesn't explode off the page, but they got a bunch of dudes that just do winning shit. Yes, like they just do winning shit. Like Caleb McConnell, great defender. Paul Mulcahy, he, he just kind of your puzzle piece guy that just does a bunch of winning stuff. And Cliff O'Morier, like shot blocking big, can hold his own, extremely athletic. And Pykele just finds ways, man. But how many how many years in a row has it been to where we're just like, gosh, I, don't, I just don't want to go to the rack. Gosh, that's just going to be brutal. Gosh, man, man, they just they're just tough. Like. Rutgers is that team that's just going to float around and just be there and be a tough out every night they play. Yep. Um, the, the issue with them is going to be depth this year. Uh, I'm also not entirely sold on another point guard play. Paul McKay, he gets it done. Um, and I will tell you this. Watch out for the, the, the point guard, the freshman they got coming in, a kid named Derek Simpson. He's actually from down here around me in Mount Laurel um, in New Jersey, and they're, they like him. They think that he's going to be uh, a good player for them, and he's going to have to be – asked to play a bigger role than you would think out of a freshman point guard that was a three-star coming in. So he could kind of be a little bit of a make-or-break guy. Um, Fancy, if, if anyone... he can play like if he can play like Ron, Ron Simpson. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Rutgers has never been to three consecutive NCAA tournaments. They have a chance to end that this season. Yeah. Pike Ron has done Simpson a great job. is Derek Simpson's father who averaged over 20 points a game he, for yeah, three years at right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's it for me. I think if you get eight teams, Fanta in the in the Big it's East, it's a win in the Big Ten. I'm sorry, eight teams. If they get eight teams in the NCAA tournament, the Big Ten has had a great year because it's better than I thought it would have been. I mean, I think they'll probably get. If I had to say it, I'll say seven. But my bold take is no. We'll get to that. Save the bold take. Save the bold take. Player of the year, Fanta. Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. Yeah, I, I think I think he's going to have that type of a year. Um, I would not be surprised though if Cliff Amorier at Rutgers has a, an average of eighteen and sixteen this year for the Scarlet Knights and is on, oh yeah yeah I think he's poised he's a good for player, a, yeah I think he's poised for a huge year. He's the best big man in New Jersey in terms of numbers since Angel Delgado at Seton Hall and Delgado put up massive numbers for them. I like. Cliff to do that at Rutgers, but Hunter Dickinson to me, I think he is fired up that he didn't get preseason player of the year. And he reminds us all why he is the best player in the conference. Dickinson. Yep. T.O. Uh, TJD. TJ. I just okay. think. He, all right. Yeah. I just think he's so, so fast at that five spot. Like, and it's a league to where he's an obvious mismatch to the majority of the bigs in that conference. I think he's just going to be a monster this year. I think that was probably the easiest pick we've had with all these conferences. Yeah, I think it's you, you can't go wrong with either of those two. Yeah, either one that. of them are really good. Uh, Omorie, I like that one, though. He's a tough sucker. He stays out of foul trouble like he's a load. I, I will say this. If Illinois hits their ceiling and as good as we think they're if they're as good as we think they're going to end up being, don't look, don't, don't discount Coleman Hawkins being a guy that averages okay. Like there's there's a non-zero chance he's like 15, 8 a couple assists, shoots at 38% from three with a block and a block and a half and a steal and a half per game on a team that wins the Big Ten. And like that is pretty good. All right, Coach Underrated of the year. freshman on Illinois, though. Ty Rogers is a dude. It might might not be this year, but he's very good. Coach of the year, I got Kevin Willard. I'm, I'm, I'm putting all my chips in the middle on Maryland. 
pushing them all in. You know what the biggest thing is there? When you have a guy. We did that last year, didn't we, Fanta? Yeah. Oh, you were a year too early. When you have a guy who has decided to just wear his hair the same style as Maryland's most famous alum, Scott Van Pelt, I think that's when you have to say, like, look, okay, we got something figured out here. We got an answer here. Who you got? Coach of the year, T.O. Ben Johnson, Minnesota, for all the reasons I said earlier. Uh, I just feel like that's a team uh, lying in the weeds waiting to pounce. Fanta? I think Penn State's got a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I really like Jalen Pickett. I think Miles Dredd and Seth Lundy being back is, is interesting. Penn State beat a couple of teams last year in the league that surprised people at the time. But if you remember, they won two Big Ten tournament games. They beat Ohio State last year. I'm going to go outside the box like you two have and say Micah Shrewsbury. If he can get Penn State there, Penn State basketball greatly needs a resurrection. And if he did that, he's my coach of the year. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Micah. Yes or no question. Fanta. Will Chris Collins and Fred Hoiberg last the entire season? Yes, they'll last the entire season, and changes will be made at at least one of those schools. I never like to talk about guys losing their jobs, but it's time for change at both those programs. T.O.? I I like that answer. I think they both make it through the year, barring some kind of crazy accusation on the program. Both of them hang out throughout the year, and then I think there's changes made. Uh, Nebraska, for sure. Uh, Northwestern, the, the expectations aren't the same, but I, I think at least one of the two, you, you're going to see a change. <laughs> at some point, you got to say, like, getting us to a tournament does not get you a lifetime contract. I know you're Northwestern, but it, it's it was one tournament, okay? Yeah. Like, you got yep. you got to get some shit done. Um, first team all conference, I have written down uh, Hunter and Trace, two obvious ones. I think we're all going to agree Chris Murray should be on a preseason first team team. Um, I also have Dante Scott, which is going to be a little bit of probably – uh, an outsider pick, and then Terrence Shannon of Illinois is my first team. Yeah, I mean, Dante Scott, it's not not too big of a reach. I go TJD. I, there's a – Hood Shafino could make it. Like, he could be a guy for them that, that Woodson just hands him a lot of responsibility and ends up being really, really good because he's just so talented. Um, I like the Terrence Shannon pick. DJD, Terrence Shannon. They're probably going on on a lid. The problem is, is like they're all bigs. Yep. They're all bigs. Like it it is. I think there's a there's a chance Xavier Johnson could end up being a first team. Could be. First team. Watch out. If you do the traditional route. Yeah. Here's the thing. If if Minnesota is gonna do what TO says they could do, guys, the sheer production of Jamison Battle is worth consideration. Bingo. If you yes. look at if you look at his numbers and you're voting on these all conference teams, keep an eye on Jamison Battle. My mine is pretty simple. It's TJD, it's Hunter Dickinson. I'm going with Edie because if Purdue's going to be any good, Zach Edie's got to be strong. I'm going Chris Murray. If I'm riding the Iowa train, I got to ride Chris Murray. And then I'm going to ride Cliff at Rutgers because I just think his numbers have a chance to be incredible. So, yeah, it's big man heavy. I'm interested to see if Michigan State has an all-conference performer or if they're just a bunch of – I wrote down good, Malik Hall. Players. I have Malik Hall second team. I think we're going to see a big year out of Malik Hall. Okay. I, end up being I can see that. Guy. Jalen Pickett, your guy at Penn State, I have him on a second team. Yep. Um, and I, I think – look, Jameson Battle, I have him on a second team as well. Um, yeah. What about the, Hepburn or Wall? I, I you just, know – Guys, on the Big Ten preseason team, there was one program that had multiple honorees. Who was the program? Wisconsin with those two guys. Yeah. 
They both made the second team for Jeff Goodman's preview, which is part of the reason why you should never trust get Jeff Goodman uh, with anything. All right. What is the X factor for you guys in the league title race? If there is one, you, I, I'll, I'll go first. I think it's, it's, I mentioned this earlier. It's absolutely point guard play, right? Yeah. We, we haven't, we haven't mentioned one pure point guard in terms of being like on that first team, all America team, Sky Clark coming off the ACL, Xavier Johnson, consistently inconsistent. Um, but that's where Michigan Jalen, state's good. Yeah. Jalen Llewellyn like, did, taking a step forward. I would even say like AJ Hogarth and, and, and Tyson Walker are good players, but like, are you really willing to go all in on them? We have no idea what the point guard situation is going to end up being at Purdue. We have no idea what the point guard situation is going to end up being at Ohio state. They're probably starting a freshman, right? Is Paul McKay really a point guard that you're going to trust at Rutgers? Like there's the best point guard in the conference might end up being Chucky Hepper. Like, is it, is that, is that crazy? Jalen Pickett? Like it's, so whoever has the best point guard play, I think is going to end up being the team that wins the league out of the top. Yeah. I think my X factor to the regular season title race is the two schools in Michigan really. And I think particularly with Michigan, it's the same X factor that there was in place last year for the Wolverines. And that is their freshman class. They do bring in uh, a top tier recruiting class. It's ranked 11th in the country and Terrace Reed and Jed Howard. I'm really intrigued to see how Jed Howard figures into things. And then, to T.O.'s point earlier, like Jalen Llewellyn, that was a really nice addition. And if Llewellyn can give them something, I mean, remember, they lose Brooks. That's a big loss for everything that he meant to that team. They got to be able to mold things together. Michigan is always fascinating to me because I think I think they're disciplined. I think they defend pretty well. I think they rebound the basketball. But, guys, when they had perimeter shooting last year versus when they didn't have perimeter shooting, it was such a different team. And then for me – in a year of mystery in the Big Ten, how many times have we seen when there's an open doorway, Tom Izzo finds a way to get to the door? Bingo, yeah. So Michigan State, to me, is an X factor because they do have returning players. They lost their top three scores, but they do have some returning players. And like I feel like we're all kind of out on them at the moment. And anytime I've been in that position, Izzo – normally proves me wrong. So the two schools in Michigan, and then the biggest thing, you said point guard play, but like at the end of the day, what's the thing that the Big Ten has that sometimes dooms them in March? An yeah. inability an inability to make three-point shots. Oh, like yeah. whoever, whoever ends up first in the Big Ten in three-point shooting is probably going to have a chance to win the league. Well, that's going to be Purdue. You can uh, you can book that in gold. It, it, that you're going to end up being the uh, the best three-point shooting team. One one name you want I want to mention from Michigan we haven't mentioned yet. Youssef Kayet, Lebanese uh, freshman coming in, really, good really good player. They really like him. 6'9", versatile wing. I think he's got a chance. Hey, to- where did he commit on? Where did how did he- 68. You know what his nickname is? Yo-Yo. You want to know what he said when he jumped on there and he made his commitment? He said, go Blues. Not go Blue, go Blues. So I love this. Uh, I love Yo-Yo Kayet. Oh, he's played in France. Yeah, he's good. Isn't, isn't that like the <laughs> soccer team? Les Blues? Allez, les Blues. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, World Cup coming. I want to do a World Cup field of 68 bracket challenge. Yeah. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, all, out. I'm all the way uh, out. Fanta. All the way out. Fanta, now's your time. You mentioned you had a bold take. I want your bold prediction. I want you to go bold, okay? T.O. went pretty bold on the Big East last week. I went the boldest on the Big East last week. I think I think that's fair to say. I don't get to do an X Factor. What, what's your, Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, have have how quick Illinois can come together. That's the most transfer-ridden roster. 
uh, in the entire league, how quick they can come together and to even dive deeper. Transfer riddled. How good can Coleman Hawkins be? They're transfer riddled. They're transfer riddled. (laughs) Sorry, that's probably the wrong way to say that, but I said it. Uh, But Coleman Hawkins, how quick can he be your go-to guy and decision maker? Because, like, he's got all the tools. Does he have all the basketball IQ? The basketball brain power. <laughs> going all in on him. Oh, this dude's a fucking idiot. No, that's not what I said. But but if you're going to function on that backside of, of that, what what is it? The, the spread offense? Like, yeah. if you're going to function on that backside, there's a lot of reads to be made. Oh, like, yeah. if he's going to be that guy, like, he's going to have to be really good, and he's going to be playing against some guys who want the basketball. Terrence Shannon wants the basketball. That's the reason he left yep. Texas Tech. Like, he wants the basketball. Can they mesh? I think that's the biggest X factor. Yep. All right, Fanta, give me your uh, give me your bold prediction. The Big Ten will have three teams in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, if not four. We just hated on them for an hour. I'm telling you, I didn't. I think that the NCAA tournament is the epitome of random results and things just sometimes not making an ounce of sense. Mm. Last year, the ACC performed after one of the more underwhelming years in the history of the conference. Just when you're down, just when you're out, it serves as fuel. The Big Ten still has some high-level talent. If Illinois finds its way, Hunter Dickinson, all he's known is winning in the NCAA tournament. He's won at a very high level. And then I'm just betting I've got Illinois and Michigan all I need to do to make this bull take come through is either the King of March, Tom Izzo, or maybe Purdue and Matt Painter, or Indiana actually lives up to expectations. It's really not that impossible. And it should be the standard for the Big Ten, but they haven't lived up to it. I think in the year that you're totally down on them, they actually step up and get a couple of teams that have a better draw than you think. Here's the deal. Big Ten teams have typically been in the role of that 3-4-5 seed, and guess what? Fours and fives in the NCAA tournament are the most susceptible to getting picked off. Michigan last year was a six seed. They made it to the second weekend. They faced Colorado State and they faced Tennessee. Sometimes in the NCAA tournament, the sevens, eights, nines, tens, sometimes get a better pathway than being the four or five where all the pressure is on you. I think the Big Big Ten last year. I think the Big Ten might have some more teams in that zone, but I think they might benefit because guess what, guys? If I'm a freaking one seed and I got to face Matt Painter in the first weekend, I'm sorry. That is not an award. That's not a reward for me. So I like the Big Ten to get three teams to the second weekend. T.O., give me something better than that, please. I was just going to say your fox is showing. Your fox. (laughs) Your fox is showing. Um, Guys, it's not really a hot take league. I think Minnesota could make a run to the NIT. (laughs) like are you kidding me that's terrible that's a worse take than mine that's no no all right you're cut off to's cut off to's cut cut off off. you don't get to make no more they are what they are if there's one thing about the big 10 we know what they are before they know we know what they are okay here's here's what i'm gonna say minnesota's gonna make the nit you're welcome Get You're out welcome. of here, T.O., get out of here. T.O., all right, I got you one. I got you one. Michigan State gets to the top four of the league. Well, T.O., that's t- not bold either. Okay, how bold T.O. do you want me to get? 
Tio. How old do you want me to get? There's no, but I'm there's out. nothing Time out. to be you know, Tio, Tio is banned. Everybody knows oh. what's going to happen. They're going to dominate November because they got a bunch of 30-year-olds oh. on the roster. They're going to be overrated as all hell, and then they're going to get their brakes beat in by the time the NCAA tournament oh. comes okay. around. So that's my bold prediction right there. If we're going to set this, is, this, this show is sponsored by Bet Rivers. They are partners. They're the best sports book to use, especially if you're out in the Midwest. If you are going to give me an over-under, on the number of teams that make it to the Sweet 16 out of the Big Ten, I'm going to set that line at 1.5. I'm going to take the under, and I'm also going to make the prediction that we don't get a single Big Ten team. I think that's much more likely that we don't have a single Big Ten team in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament than it is that we have more than one Big Ten team in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I, feel, I just don't I, see I feel it. Like, I feel a hot dog suit bet coming on between you and Fanta right there. I just don't see it. I How confident are you in your hot take, Fanta? Not at all. I'm more confident than he was in uh, in Maryland last year. <laughs> I'm confident in my take. I'm so, confident so, okay, in my take. Okay, so the over-under is a point. A uh, the over-under is a team and a half in the second weekend of the Big Ten. And wait, you're not going to take that, Fanta? That's it? Oh, I'm taking the over. Okay. I'm taking, taking the over. over. I'm not Rob, making a hot dog to wear a hot dog suit. I'm not, I'm not doing a no, hot dog no. suit, Ben. Get out of here. You're, I'm hey, not dumb enough to do a hot dog Oh, no, here we are. This is all fluff. All this right, is wait all a minute. Fluff. Wait a minute. All your little I'll hot takes or whatever, if you ain't going to stand behind Hold it, it's all fluff. If, if it's under <laughs> a team and a half, then you both have to hop on a mechanical bull in Houston. If it's <laughs> over a team and a half, I'm hopping on. Or excuse me, if it's under say, a team, I'm, no, Fanta. If, if anybody, I, I'm siding with you on this. Oh, you're saying okay. So if it's under a team and a half, Rob's hopping on. No, I'm not doing a mechanical bowl. We're not doing. Hop behind your stand beside <laughs> your stuff right no, here, just yeah, like we still behind. See what's happening right here? You're trying. You guys are half, trying to pressure me. I'm I don't make on. the bad bets. You guys make the bad bets. That sounds like you. I know what's I'm not. I'm not making this prediction because I think it's going to happen. We said go bold. If it's under now, team and then, okay, half. so that's your okay. So credibility is instantly lost, right? Well, there. I like I like I like how you're you're making this bet now, but you wouldn't take the Creighton bet when I said Ryan Calcrenner Player of the Year. Oh, they man. stand by what they say. <laughs> they stand. <laughs> they stand by what they say. Listen, like this is another episode of the DTF like podcast. I'm going to cut this off before these two. Uh, these two geeks. <laughs> make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you like. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe there. Do all those things that make us happy as podcasters. We will see you guys again next week. I don't even know what league we're previewing next week. It'll be something. We'll figure it out. Later. Wow.